The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. You talked about feeding off that Green Bay loss with the focus and determination. How do you feed off a ass kicking? Yeah, I think uh, Coach McCarthy, uh, yeah, keep kicking, you know, he keep kicking ass. Honestly, uh, honestly, and just, uh, right? Uh, cool, cool as hell, just says keep kicking ass while he's eating. Uh, but I mean, I, I think Coach McCarthy said it best, take a picture of it. Take a picture of what it felt like, of, of what it looked like of when we were at our best. Uh, obviously, individually, as a unit, and as a team, and, and to keep that at the forefront of your mind. And, and when you're not, remind yourself or do the things that are necessary, necessary to get back to that. Well, ladies, I think that was about as signature a win uh, for the Cowboys under the Mike McCarthy era that I've seen to date. They absolutely dominated in all phases of the game. And I think particularly important was the way they bounced back after what was can only be described as a demoralizing loss on the road against the Packers. So I think when he talked about take a picture of what it felt like when we looked our best, it poses the question. And I'll go around the table for, for you ladies and I'll go last. What was it that you thought they were best at? in that game on the road. Haley? As vague as this is going to sound, or I guess is not specific, I just thought they were best at doing their job. It felt like everybody, and that was the conversation throughout the entire week, was why the run defense was bad, because we weren't doing our jobs. We were all trying to do too much. I think in this game, every player on the team, from Brett Maher to Dak Prescott and everybody in between, had an understanding of, this is my job, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it well. And I think as a result, that's why you saw the pass rush come back to life. I was re-watching the highlights before we came on, and my favorite part, J. Ron Curse got a sack. Yeah. Like, and not just a kind of sack. He felt comfortable enough to be like, <laughs> I'm a go, you know? And, and so I just think they all felt confident. They took that Packers loss, like you said, to heart, and they really adjusted to the things that they talked about all week. So to me, that was the most impressive part of that win. And I think for me, it was they went back to playing on the strength of mentally confusing their opponent. And I think this was something that we had talked about a lot when the season had started that Dan Quinn was so good at. And the coaching uh, staffs that were talking in the press conferences would talk about mentally. They were just so confused to what Dan Quinn was doing. But you saw that on the offensive side of the ball, specifically with Tony Pollard. For me, it was okay, Tony Pollard's on the field. Usually with Kellen Moore, you get the feel of, all right, well, Tony Pollard's on the field. He's going to run the ball. No, Tony Pollard was acting as a wide receiver just as much as a running back in this game. So for me, the mental confusion that they gave this Vikings team, which is not a bad team by any means, you're talking a team that is at the top of the NFC right now, absolutely the best part for me was going back to the basics of, again, doing your job, but mentally confusing who you're playing and making sure that they don't know what's coming next. And to the point where they were so drained, so frustrated, even going into the second quarter of the game, it felt like it was over for the Vikings. So to me, that's what stood out the most. Yeah, to add on to what you said, just with confusing your opponent, I think what's encouraging for me in this game is Kellen Moore. Yeah. He put on a clinic. I wrote in my notes, it's a setup. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I've been looking for for him from him or play calling with a purpose. 
Like, what are you doing here? If you're motioning CD here, is that to confuse the guy? And now, like you just mentioned, with even with Tony Pollard, any motion that Tony Pollard gets at the line of scrimmage, they they're going to be confused. Is he running here or is he going to be going out for a quick out for a pass or a wheel route for a pass? So what encouraged me in this game is the progression of Kellen Moore as a play caller and seeing him really make it and, and the quarterback as well. Like I think the quarterback playing well, your quarterback playing well and your offensive coordinator seem like they're in sync mm. and we've been waiting for that. But in fairness, your quarterback is just now coming into like midseason form. Yeah, the man. offense as a whole, this is the first time I think in totality we've seen them perform and everyone be involved. MG, Noah Brown, I mean, everyone was involved offensively. And I think that's what stuck out the most to me is just them having a game plan and executing it at a high level. That third and 14 to Tony Pollard yep. was nasty. Oh. And what's crazy is Ezekiel Elliott is equally capable of doing the exact same thing. So to your point that you brought up earlier, you you kind of want to see Kellen get in his bag a little bit more like that because that's what this offense is capable of. And that set up the question that I had really for Dak Prescott. And he didn't understand it first, but I literally said, I've got a dumb question for him. We've got his response here. Why aren't you running the ball more? And he said, what do you mean, me specifically or the offense? I said, the offense in general. We saw you guys running the ball a little bit more with Cooper Rush. Hadn't quite seen it as of late. So why aren't you guys doing something that we've all been told you want to do and that makes sense? Here's his answer. I think it's it's the it's the matchups, obviously. I mean, it's the matchups. It's the ebb and flows of the game. Uh, it's knowing the other team, what they're good at, what, what we feel like we can attack better. Um, and obviously having a lot of confidence in our pass game, yeah, you – yeah, you want to lean on that at times when you feel like there's a matchup there. Um, but when you're playing a team that's going to play with the light box, um, like we did last week and continue to do that, then, yeah, we're going to continue to run the ball and allow the pass game to come off of that. So, I mean, it's just about the X's and O's and making sure that you get the right matchup and not uh, saying, hey, stats say this, that we need to continue to do this. I mean, this game isn't one on just the stats. I mean, we can go back and turn to them. But, um, yeah, they, they don't they don't tell the answer to everything. But, look, you've got – two change of pace backs. You've got a bruiser with Ezekiel Elliott. You've got your shifty guy with Tony Pollard. Both are capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. Both like Specifically, Ezekiel Elliott, when he's out there, I've, I've kept arguing he's the guy that wears out your defenses. Yep, yep. They commit to it. He pounds them. They are exhausted by the third and fourth quarter, and I think that was what was really lacking uh, against the Packers. Another thing that stood out to me was uh, talking to, to Dak today, who, by the way, was – Great per usual. He's supposed to talk on Thursday, talked with us today, and then continued talking at his locker, even as uh, sort of the media veil was over. But I had asked him about uh, just this team in general. And, you know, Jerry Jones had made those comments that he thought that this was a team that could win a Super Bowl. And he said he was always convinced of that. But he said it's interesting that Mike McCarthy chose the word resilient at the end of the year as sort of being their mantra. And he said he picked the word before all the obvious issues that popped up. But what I loved, and I think this holds true, they are calloused after what they've been through. I mean, we're talking about a 7-3 team that's competing with the Giants uh, to catch up with the Eagles at this point. You know, you just beat the 8-1 uh, Minnesota Vikings. And when you look at this team and what they've been through, the depth at every single position and the way they've responded, I think, is huge moving forward. And we'll get into the OBJ discussion after the breaks. So there's a little bit of tease for you. What OBJ could really do for this team mm -hmm. to help put them over the edge. All right, so we are going to end and get to a quick break uh, off the heels of that. Let's talk about OBJ because 
Dak said something interesting today. They've been in constant communication where Dak feels that OBJ's heart lies ahead of what I am calling the Cowboys-Giants OBJ sweepstakes on Thursday. (laughs) I'll explain on the other side of the break. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. (sighs) Know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more. I'm Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And they snap it to Prescott, who looks right. It's not there. He escapes left. He'll run for a first down. Just like football, when it comes to crypto, it's important to have a team you can trust. With blockchain.com, I know I'm in good hands. Since 2011, they've been trusted by millions around the world to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrency. Prescott's going to run this himself. Run it up the middle, and he scores. Whether you're new to crypto or an active trader, they've got you covered. What are you waiting for? Get started at blockchain.com. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. But first, Jess. The 2022 Salute to Service collection is calling your name. All NFL proceeds from this collection are donated to their military nonprofit partners. So head to your local Dallas Cowboys pro shop or online at shop.dallascowboys.com, a fanatics experience, and join in the boys in supporting the troops today. Love that. Yeah. All right. Do that. We have got this is a big game on Thursday. We talked about this. The OBJ sweepstakes is both the Cowboys and Giants expected to host OBJ, who's been posting multiple videos of himself working out in the gym. Uh, when we go through this entry report, you'll see real quick why the Giants are going to be making a hard push at OBJ because they 1,000% need help in their wide receiver room. But give it to us the laundry list of injuries heading into this one. So I'll start with. The Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy kind of prefaced us this morning by saying that there's a bug going around the defensive line. So a lot of this really isn't surprising uh, guys who didn't practice mostly because of illness. Uh, Anthony Barr did not practice for the second straight day with that hamstring injury. And uh, but the illness, like I said, Terrell Basham, Dante Fowler, Jonathan Hankins, Kelvin Joseph, Demarcus Lawrence all out with some kind of sickness. So that's to be Expected, like I said, Mike told us that earlier. Micah Parsons was elevated from not practicing yesterday to limited today. So he feels like kind of whenever he was banged up a few weeks ago, kind of getting that same vibe. Uh, Trayvon Diggs was full today for the second straight day, that ankle. So that's really positive. Osa was limited today with a knee injury. Uh, But otherwise, just housekeeping stuff, I think, for the Cowboys. But the Giants, we talked Mm -hmm. about the laundry list. I mean, there are so many guys on this list. Daniel Bellinger with an eye injury. (laughs) Oh, so oh, that's interesting. Uh, 
Dane Belton was limited today with a clavicle injury, uh, neck injuries left and right. You mentioned Adoree Jackson right before we came on, Jane. Uh, he did not practice. Richie James was limited today. A lot of knee injuries, a lot of neck injuries as well. So that's obviously something to keep an eye out on. But yeah, I would need probably 10 minutes to get through the rest of this list. Uh, just to hone in on, you know, they, Xavier McKinney, their starting safety, he injured his hand in an ATV accident. That was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you lost your corner, uh, Adoree Jackson, knee injury, just returning a punt. Uh, Wink Martindale has been dealing with injury after injury on his defense. Now, I, I thought it was interesting. Dak kind of talked about today some of the bizarre looks that they get with uh, Wink, but they're going to be going to a lot of their younger guys. But specifically, getting us into this OBJ conversation, they've got nothing. They traded away Kadarius uh, Tony, and then I've got a I've got a laundry list of some other wide receivers. <laughs> and then that Kenny Dall- Galladay yeah. there yeah. for declaration. Yeah. Uh, you've got yeah. uh, Robinson out. Sterling Shepard had uh-huh. the AC out for the season. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough, and so I think that's why the Giants are going to make a really, really push, uh, really, really push for a guy like Odell Beckham to come back. But as I was discussing on Media Bash, I think one of the the things that can't be overlooked is we've talked about this on the show before. Mike McCarthy is so good about preserving the body, right? Giving you the yeah. rest days. Uh, it's not as important to go out there and practice full go. If I'm OBJ coming back from two ACL injuries, and I also know that I've got a wide receiver core, a running game, and the tight ends, I, I don't feel like I have to go to a team and do everything. Yeah. Right? And so I think that's what makes it appealing. And then you look at the way the defense played, uh, your special teams. I think there's a lot to like in Dallas. I do think the 49ers are going to be a legitimate threat when you start uh, considering who the contender is going to be. But that's why I think this game against the Giants is so big on uh, Thursday. So we caught up with Dak on this, and we've said this on the show in the last couple of weeks. For those of us who's covered the team for quite a long time, typically they're not talking about a lot of these free agents. And sometimes you can't because they're on other teams, uh, but they're just not as outspoken. Or a lot of us have enough sources where we're told, nah, it's just not sort of a smokescreen. This is not. Uh, here is Dak Prescott talking about today. He said, you know, when we're playing uh, like we did against Minnesota and you're able to add a talent like o- Odell, that can be special. That just creates more weapons not only for me but for the offense and for the play caller. You want to see Kelly get in his bag, see what he does with OBJ. It's more things for the defense to worry about. We're getting him in for a visit, and hopefully things are going great in the recruiting process. He knows how much I want him here. He said that they've been exchanging text messages. Guys in the locker room have been doing their part. And then he was asked to sort of, you know, what's your feel on it? And his sense was that the feeling was mutual. Now, again, I think it does come down to money. But I think more importantly for these guys, here's what I think Jerry Jones is going to do when he gets in the room. The endorsements that come with playing in in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way we're going to protect your body in Dallas. You don't have to do everything in Dallas. You're basically coming to a ready-baked team. And then when you also look at the way sort of the division is shaking out, you look at the Giants. It feels like, we talked about it, five of their next seven games against division opponents, things could get really, really ugly for them. Uh, So that's why I've got a strong feeling that OBJ uh, could come Dallas's way. And again, that meeting taking place sometime after Thanksgiving. You know, when you guys are hearing these reports and you're listening to Dak and some of the players, what's standing out for you? I think for me, it's how well Odell would fit into the already established culture. We always talk about the culture in this locker room and the commodity behind it. I think when you have guys openly tweeting Odell, I mean, after the game, like, hey, they went crazy out there. Yeah, come join us. I mean, that is just so obvious because 
it's nice to see that side of it because usually those are texts that you don't ever see. You hear from the player, you hear from Dak, yeah, we were texting, but for the fact that they are so open about wanting him and something I brought up a couple weeks ago is, um, you know, it, it's a business after all. And so none of the wide receivers, you don't see CD, you don't see Michael, you don't see Noah even talking about, you know, hey, no, we don't want him because that's going to take reps away from us. And they're not going to say that out loud, but they're encouraging it because they know he's an additive. They know he is an absolute beast on this field that could add more value to the already, I, I want to say established wide receiver core that keeps getting better and better. But I think for me, the biggest thing is knowing that maybe you get some reps taken away, but imagine what he could do imagine you wouldn't even be talking about a 40 burger game if Odell played the Vikings you'd be talking about a 60 burger game I don't even think that's a thing <laughs> so a thing? I, I think we just made it one oh, especially Jesus. if Odell comes on but I, I think it's the healthy culture knowing that hey we might get some reps taken away but whoa what an additive that would be I just think when you talk about adding a guy to a room that is already so has proven their value this season and I know I've talked before about CD needing that competitor to kind of push him I think this goes one of two ways both of which end favorably for the Cowboys number one you add Odell Beckham he makes your wide receiver room better we were talking earlier at practice about having that vocal leader that they're missing, even uh, with their wide receivers coach. You know, there's not really that strong, powerful voice in the wide receiver room that is really vocal in that way. You add an Odell Beckham in there, it's a sprinkle of personality, and now all of a sudden it, it's it's working. On the back end of that, let's say Odell doesn't work out for whatever reason, he doesn't mesh, he doesn't fit the culture, blah, 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 whatever. You still have already established a strong wide receiver room. CeeDee Lamb has already made his case for wide receiver one. We saw on Sunday how good Michael Gallup is feeling. Noah Brown making big catches. Even Cavante Turpin getting in the mix occasionally. Mm. You already have the recipe, right? So sometimes it's okay to add whipped cream on top of your dessert that is already delicious. It just makes Ooh. it taste a little it bit better. It just makes it taste a little bit better. So I think for me, I'm good with it. I'm good with it because it, it ends favorably for the Cowboys. And the biggest thing that Odell adds, aside from the experience and his ability to make those incredible catches and scores, is, again, just if it doesn't work out, okay, cool. We'll keep pushing with the group we have. And I keep arguing what I love about OBJ, not dissimilar from Jason Peters, is you're not giving up draft picks. And yeah. the biggest thing when you're building this roster for the Cowboys is you want the draft collateral. Because they draft well. And you figure out the money. Mm -hmm. They always figure out the money. In fact, the Cowboys have overpaid so much in the past, but they always figure it out. I mean, look at the Deshaun Watson deal in Cleveland. You find the money when you want a player, but you're not having mm. to give up draft picks. And I think that's what makes this thing so interesting. Yeah. Uh, so for me... Hearing all the talk and the te and the tweeting and all this stuff, and the texting and, and the texting <laughs> and the <laughs> late night conversation, yeah, the, the it pillow. Feels good, it feels like good a, to be loved too. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're you're talking about an OBJ. You know, he isn't. I think he is, and he's voice. He's looking for a place where he feels like he belongs. And these gentlemen on these team going out their way to express that. But I also feel like they know what they have. Mm -hmm. They looking around. They looking at the NFC. They like oh. So if we can score, especially offensively. If we can make people play from behind, we understand that they can't beat us. You can hear it in a lot of the players' interviews is that they, they kind of are starting to understand the system and how to even protect their defense in some way from having runners just, hey, if we go up and score and execute, 
there's no one that can stop us. And that's, I think, a lot of this recruiting OBJ is that they feel like if they add this to the Infinity Stones, one of the Infinity Right. Yeah. It's that last one. That yeah. He so then you need the snap. great reference. Yeah. Because the then at that. And then what? Oh, Jesus. Because then at that. <laughs> Teams can't load the box the same way they've been trying to load the box against you. They can try to not respect them if they don't want to. Like, it's it, it's a trickle-down effect. And I, one thing I think from this team that I'm hearing over, like, over and over again is they're starting to understand one thing begets the other. If I do this right, this happens. And good things happen when guys are doing their job at a high level. So they, they understand what they have in this locker room and that they have the capability to go deep in the playoffs. So they're trying to get this guy over here. And to Jane's point earlier, too, you were talking about it doesn't impact any draft picks. Well, free agency will come up right around the corner and you talk about the list of guys that uh, the Cowboys might have to fight to keep a little bit. Guys like uh, Tony Pollard. That is scary. And to maybe ensure that you have kind of a backup plan for if those kind of things don't work out in the Cowboys' favor, Mm -hmm. you have an OBJ. And not to say, you know, OBJ is going to take anything away from anybody, not to say that, but you have to start thinking long-term, too, as draft picks, as free agency, as contract years coming up, franchise tags. All of those things play a very important part here for obviously not so much this season, but if you're wanting this Cowboys success to continue on for seasons past, it's something to keep in mind. Absolutely. Well, I've often seen in covering this team what Jerry wants, Jerry gets. And I feel like Jerry really wants this shining toy. And someone once told me uh, in the league, if you've got a free agent that you want, you don't let him leave the building without signing. So I anticipate that Jerry's going to roll out the helicopter. He's going to show him, like, it's going to be like Lion King. Everything the light touches is yours, <laughs> yours. OBJ. We are going to, like, there are like there are so many ways to get these deals done. And so I just, I, when I think of Jerry, I look at this as it's a merchandise thing, right? Like, I... The excitement that the Cowboys franchise has needed. I've covered so many free agency periods, and I always tell my bosses, why are you putting me at the star? Why am I on this coverage? Move me to a team. They don't play ball in free agency because it requires them to give up draft stock. This feels about as real. And I've said this over and over. This feels so real. And again, what Jerry wants, Jerry gets. I'd be shocked if this thing doesn't happen. But mm-hmm. that's why Thursday is such a big game. The good Lord helped us out, too, with the Buffalo snow. Because I, lo- oh, I yeah. looked at it, yeah. and I know BJ looked at it and said, oh, no. That ain't for me. All he has to do is call Von Miller. What was it like? Oh, did you see the video <laughs> that he pulled where he was opening up the garage? Yeah. And, I mean, oh, I've lived no. in Denver when it was like oh. six back-to-back blizzards. Yeah. It's very unappealing. Yeah. Cost of living here. I don't think people think think about that enough. But I, I told the story where I talked to him at Pro Bowl a couple years ago, not having to pay state income tax. It's huge the, for players. I've waited yeah. when like jobs have come up in L.A. or New York. You're literally giving half your money away yeah. to taxes. So it's a big deal. You're keeping all of that in house. And if you don't think that that's part of Jerry's presentation, you guys aren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. As someone yeah. who just moved here from Miami. Yeah. And he's raising a baby. <laughs> and he's raising a baby now. He's trying to get his exactly. coin. Exactly. His girl's <laughs> trying, trying to get her business going. Yeah. yeah. He's trying, he trying to get in there. So I'm – y'all – don't get me excited. It also just <laughs> makes sense. It's the Dallas Cowboys and OBJ. I mean, you can't tell me that Jerry doesn't want OBJ to make a one-handed iconic catch at some point for the Dallas Cowboys after, you know, the last time that happened, it was against the Cowboys. So CD, hand over 88. Right? <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm kidding. No disrespect to CD. I do want to get some sound in here because... I feel for CD. I feel like there was yeah. a lot put on his plate this year. I think he enjoyed some of the gaudy numbers because you had a guy like Amari Cooper. And I think we could all argue maybe it wasn't the best move 
to move on from Amari uh, because maybe CD wasn't quite ready yet. And I've also submitted that not having Dak playing with these guys in the preseason or meaningful practice time, I think, has really hurt his maturation, not to mention the COVID year, I think, Mm -hmm. really hurt CeeDee Lamb's maturation. A lot of people don't think about some of that. But I did catch up in the locker room because I think we've got to give him credit coming off the Green Bay game and what he did uh, against Minnesota. Listen, we're all human is what I said to him. How hard is it? I know you've been vocal that you want OBJ here. He helps the room. But how do you keep your head on straight and continue to build as a receiver? And here was his response. Um, at the end of the day, I got to go to sleep and wake up and go to work. Um, regardless of what's being said or what's, you know, how anything is being interpreted, just understanding that I'm in control of the majority of these narratives and the only way for me to change it or stop it from even popping up is just playing better. So. There you go. As one uh, head coach in the league once told me, because I was complaining about my reps, et cetera, he said, Jane, do your job. No one cares. And it sounds like CD has gotten that message. But to his credit, he's really stepped up in, in recent weeks. Uh, Micah Parsons consistently steps up for us, folks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think we were all trying to figure out what was going on with this run defense ahead of this game against the Vikings. He had some great sound bites, as he always does uh, in the locker room. Accountability was the big thing last week, and mm-hmm. it sounds like uh, the guys both put up and shut up a lot of the haters on the outside. So let's get into what Micah Parsons had to say and whether we all believe that their ability to contain the run, uh, they fixed it or they haven't. That on the other side of the break, this is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation, so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. (sighs) Know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more. It's Smoothie King's original angel food and new angel food slim without added sugar. You no longer have to choose between treating yourself and hitting your goals this summer. You don't have to choose between great taste and feeling great. Because at Smoothie King, every blend is made with whole fruits and no syrups. So you can satisfy your cravings without compromise. The only choice you will need to make is which one is best for you. Try our classic angel food or the new angel food slim, blended without added sugar. Smoothie King, rule the day. Welcome back to Girls Talk Voice Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. But first, Jess. Get cozy and join us at the Star for our most festive movie night yet. Movie Nights at the Star, presented by Monument Reality on November 30th, features a Christmas classic, that being Elf. The show is free and open to the public, begins at 7 p.m. So for more information, please visit thestarinfrisco.com. 
All right, well, let's talk about this run defense the Cowboys are going to be facing against the Giants. And by the way, if you're listening to the show, we will not have a podcast tomorrow. So that's why we're quick deep diving into this matchup on Thursday. Uh, Saquon Barkley's coming off his worst game of the season, just 22 yards. Uh, Daniel Jones, though, had over 340 yards in the air, 50, 50 yards to the ground. Uh, it was a little bit of an erratic game against the Lions. Granted, it was at home, et cetera, but you got to think that they're reeling from that. And I do have a lot of faith in Brian Dable and Wink Martindale, even though we've talked about their laundry list of injuries on both sides of the ball. Uh, but Saquon Barkley has been very effective this year. And like I said, you've got Daniel Jones to think about. We saw uh, the Cowboys limit Dalvin Cook, uh, but they weren't – I think it's hard for me to ascertain whether they fi- fixed the run defense, guys, because they weren't running the ball a lot because they got behind so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Now, the pass rush for the Cowboys, we talked about this, top five in the league, so I think we expected them. I didn't think they'd do as good a job against Justin Jefferson as they did or Adam Thielen or even TJ Hawkinson, but credit to Trayvon Diggs uh, in this pass rush. I mean, getting to the quarterback seven times in the game. Uh, we talked about earlier, Kirk Cousins was seeing ghosts in this one. Uh, Shambles. But I don't, don't want know to if I trust that they fixed the run just yet. And I don't know if this week's game on Thursday is going to be a good enough test of it because as we talked about earlier, there's not a lot of other threats. Now, here's where I would caution us. We said this about the Packers, right? Mm-hmm. Packers didn't have a lot of threats. They certainly yeah. didn't have a wide receiver that st- stood out or a running back, and Christian Watson looked all-world against the Cowboys. So you kind of hope they don't rest on their laurels, that they have fixed things. Uh, but when you look at this run D, whoever wants to pop in here, did you get the sense that it was all-out fixed? Because what Dalvin Cook was averaging still, like I think he had uh, close to four. I think is why I read. Yeah. A little, actually, I think it was closer to six. Yeah, I think it was like 6.5. 6. I got to go back through my notes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, they went away from the run at, to start the game. I felt like they did have a couple of um, successful runs to the outside zone or whatever. But for the most part, in spots in that game, you saw LVE come up and fill his gap and put it on people. You saw Damone Clark um, come up and fill his gap and put it on people. Like, it, I, I thought the run defense to start the game was – more consistent than what you've seen and then they did break a couple of big plays but it's difficult to like you said it is difficult to gauge right now this week they will get some practice uh with Saquon Barkley but again like even Saquon had a million carries last week and didn't have nothing to show for it because a running back is only as good as their offensive line at this point and Mm -hmm. that offensive line's banged up so I was Really looking forward to this game, thinking, okay, this could be good practice or for them for us to get a better gauge. But with this offensive line being beat up, still so it's going to be difficult. So I think it's just going to be a week-to-week thing, um, seeing how this defense improves. But in spots in that game, definitely they played their gaps far better. They tackled far better in this game. No leaky yardage, no yak yardage, none of that. So even if you're like, okay, well, the run defense wasn't super stout, I mean, they kind of forced them. They really force them by punching them in the mouth early. And if you can assert your dominance that way and make people afraid to even try, then it's kind of a win-win. So it is something to build upon film-wise in some areas, yes. I'm going to kind of take a little bit of a left turn with that because I, I, I hear what you're saying. I agree. I think this would be good practice. But the trend that I've kind of noticed the last few weeks is that every single one of these games has had a purpose in why the Cowboys have been that why they were so successful, I think, during the Vikings. And I think that carries over on Wednesday. So you come back from the bye and you face the Packers. The narrative all week was Mike McCarthy, the return game. That was the focus. And I think that's why things got a little lost because that was the focus. We want this to be 
a big game for our head coach, and it's important. It was relevant, or it was you could see it in everybody after that loss, and that's why it stung so much. And they lost five in a row. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So then you you have that game, and that to me, that loss has kind of, I think, will end up being the pivotal right. point of the season mm-hmm. because now it inspires them to go out and whoop on the Vikings, and no better team to face after a loss than the Vikings. The Cowboys going into that one were six and one after a loss so you have a then this is a team that they had their number for you know they've beaten the vikings however many times against or at u.s bank stadium so you go from losing to the packers that inspiring a blowout win to the vikings a team that people haven't really been talking about and i think that's why because you saw the vikings and how they performed and then to go back to the top of the show we talked about now you have that blowout win how it's inspiring you going into a really big division game against the Giants, and now you have another opportunity, to your point, Jane, to prove that we are improving our run defense. You have a chance to contain Saquon Barkley for the second time, so to speak. You also have a chance to challenge against Daniel Jones. We have to respect the run that that Mm -hmm. he provides in that game, too. (laughs) So I just think that every single one of these games up until this point, and as we count down to that Christmas Eve Eagles game, I think every single game is going to have a purpose. I think this week's purpose is to kind of shore up that run defense. Yes. No, you got me going because I was thinking about how they respond. And, you know, maybe this is learning from the adversity of years past, but remember the Denver Broncos game oh. where they got demoralized? It felt very much yeah. like the Packers game. Like, yeah. oh, they figured out the blueprint. Well, that following week, they went back and they beat uh, the, the Falcons. Falcons. And yeah. that one, Held that was three. a big game. That was a big yeah. one. Held them to three. And then guess what happened uh, on the road at Kansas City right after that? It was a loss. Um, and then they lost an overtime the Raiders. Then, th- then they were able to correct it. They went on a four-game win streak, lost the Cardinals, and then won against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So my point is, in the past, <laughs> they've come back, they've responded, uh, but then you find yourself questioning them again. So I just remember last year, us sort of having, uh, there was like a similar tone, but in what Dak had to say today, like, they have been through a lot of adversity. And battle-tested, yeah. I mean, say what you want about Mike McCarthy. Some, You know, we talked about this to start the year without the left tackle, without the quarterback, mm-hmm. multiple entries on the, on the defensive side of the ball at times. The way that he gets them ready to play is big, but I think this does fall on the players because in the past we'd point the finger at the coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This does fall on the players, and I'll have a soundbite after you get to your point, Jess, from Micah Parsons on this. There has to be accountability and there has to be consistency because they've proven – They've got the type of players that can get it done. The game plan obviously makes a lot of sense heading into the game, but it's all about execution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, too, when you look at who the Giants just played, the Lions, who we know play so physical, and I'm sure their laundry list of injuries is uh, even larger now, right? I mean, Aisha and I, we we talked about this uh, off the podcast, but it's interesting because – Think of when the Cowboys played the Lions, how beat up and injured they were. And they didn't have a three-day turnaround to play another game. So I think the the Giants are in a different position now with the amount of injuries that you're not necessarily playing, obviously, a full-strength Giants team that could put that run defense to the test that maybe they need. Because, yeah, when you look at the Vikings game, they shied away from the run. How, how are you going to run the ball on – third and 25 I mean you're not going to and that I think is going to be key to this Giants game is keeping them behind the sticks so they don't get a chance to establish that run Mm. you have to keep them behind the sticks and how does that happen well you take advantage of that leaky pocket you put pressure on the pocket you start putting pressure on Daniel Jones you don't let him get out of the pocket because another kryptonite of the Cowboys well 
a mobile quarterback. Yep. Somebody who uses his legs, mm-hmm. somebody who runs and, and doesn't wait for somebody to be open, says, all right, I'm going to make the play myself. So I think it'll be a good test to that to see if they can contain a more mobile quarterback because last time we saw that with Jalen Hurts against the Eagles – We know how that turned out. So I think if anything is going to be tested a little bit more than the run defense, it's going to be how they respond to a more mobile quarterback um, because we know Kirk Cousins was not going anywhere other than uh, in the arms of the entire Cowboys defense. He was throwing the ball and and tucking, y'all. He was throwing the ball and literally like, I would be in the hot tub all all week after that. That's a good point, girl, because – out of the however many yards, how many rushing yards did they have total last game? The Giants. 73. Yeah, oh, the Giants. Uh, I the, the, Gi- yeah, the Giants. The Giants against, against the Lions? No, the, I was talking about the last time the Cowboys played oh, them. Oh, it's uh, right here. I got you. Uh, last time the Cowboys played the Giants, the Giants had 163. Seven rushing yards and 169. But I think they had 81 Daniels. yards and a touchdown against them last time. Yeah. Saquon, yeah. And 79 of those, to your point, Jess, which is a fantastic point, is and you too as well, Haley. His escapability and his mobility, he had 80 yards himself on the ground. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to be smart um, with him escaping, especially up the seams, because he—that's one thing he'll do. If that pocket collapses, he's straight up the middle. And one thing about Daniel Jones that is crazy to me, he is not afraid to get hit. Mm-mm. Even after he got rocked last year, he still's like, you know what? I'm going to run this ball. But that's yeah. partially because they've taken on some of the Bills' offense, kind of, because of uh, Brian. Yes, because Dable. of Brian Dable. Yep. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I did catch up with Micah Parsons in the locker room uh, briefly this afternoon, and I did ask him, I said, so where did this come from? And I think we've got a soundbite from him. Uh just sort of explaining it's actually fairly simple if you just do what the coaches tell you to do. Everybody's trying to be the guy. Everyone's trying to be – everyone is him on his defense. You know, everyone's trying to, you know, make a name for themselves and do their thing. But um, and then it's a team sport, so we can't have one person – off page and other 10 people on different page you know we play one of them sports you know so and it's got to feel good as a collective group when everyone does that you get a win like that right yeah and then everyone eats everyone eats and that's what that's what we had to realize you know um it's not just about one person eating but when everyone does their job then we all get sacks the guy literally is sort of a soundbite machine Uh, (laughs) a couple of other things that he said today I didn't catch this post game, but Clarence said after he referenced Kobe Bryant and said, "If you've got food in your teeth, you want someone I love to tell that. you." I was oh. just getting ready to yep. bring that up. What I love that about that is it's saying he doesn't want to be told how great he is, and I don't know about you guys and how you do your job. Like, I don't either. Like, I actually prefer when I get feedback. Like, we have this consultant, Jerry. If you're listening to the show, I love when I get <laughs> feedback from him because it means he cares, right? And so. That's what I love about Micah is that this locker room is embracing it. But here are the couple of the other things he said. He said, uh, you know, they they played mad. The Hulk said it best. Just stay mad. Once the disrespect is out there, people are going to still try you. It's almost like a bully trying to take your lunch money every day until you say, no, that's enough. They're going they're going to keep taking your lunch money. So I'm at the point where that's enough. You're not going to keep trying to take my lunch money. <laughs> oh my I literally God. said to the guys when I did Media Mash early, I, I said, is this stuff that's just funneled from like – sitting down with Dan Quinn and Dan Quinn's passing on that knowledge to him and then to us, or is he just, I think that's this, just, how, he I think that's just how he's built. Yeah. I yeah, think I that's think, just yeah. how he looks at it. Yeah. If you look at his Twitter too, I mean, he's the uh, M- Micah to me is the epitome of, he is exactly who he says he is. Mm-hmm. 
and that trickles into every effect. He's the same guy he is on the football field as he is in that locker room, as he is on social media. I mean, it's just – I even had a chance just to talk to him kind of off the record, get to know you type thing in the locker room today, and his, his personality is exactly – you know, I, everything you said just now, I'm not in the slightest surprise because that's just how he talks. I think that's just how he looks at life and at the game. What's so fascinating to me is there were so many questions about Micah Parsons – before he came to Dallas, I had specifically talked to a number of head coaches and GMs, you know, why not uh, Micah? Because, you know, we had this case as it related to Penn State. Some, it was it was an interesting case, we'll put it that way. And there were a lot of teams that stayed away from him because they were really concerned about some of this off-the-field issue that they've done. Every team's got their investigators that, you know, does a deep dive. And so I, I was pretty tough on him at his introductory press conference about some of the allegations. And he kept saying, look, they've been dismissed. You know, that's been behind me, et cetera. And I'll be honest, as a reporter that's covered these type of guys, and when you hear that sort of insight, you think something's going to pop up. Nothing has popped up. Not only that, the way that in just his second year with the team commands so much respect and gets so much leeway, I think is something that I'm, I don't know about you, Haley, that I haven't really seen before. Like most of these second year, Zeke had a little bit of it, and then Dak obviously earned it just by virtue of being a quarterback. But I've never seen that before where – you know, you sometimes when you're frustrated with your play on the road against the Packers and to have the defense demoralized the way that they did, that some of the stuff he said post game could rub the locker room the wrong way. But speaking to your point earlier, I think they've got such a good culture in here. And I think these guys genuinely want to win so much that they're sort of open to the feedback. And that's how you win. He also was, backs it up. No, but I was go just going to yeah. say, he, he's, he is so so open and so invested in this Dan Quinn defense because he said wherever Dan Quinn goes I go I think a lot of it is he has respect for not only himself but he has the respect for his teammates around him and he has respect for his coach because I mean really you don't play hard unless you believe in what you're being coached and he is a perfect example of Dan Quinn has made a difference for this man's life not just as a football player but well off the field as well and I think it's shaping him into maybe a person he didn't necessarily expect to be shaped into under Dan Quinn's eye I think Michael was already here and then he was elevated here after meeting Dan Quinn because sometimes you just meet people that bring that out of you and bring that fire out of you that's already there but it's just amplified I was just going to say, to your point, the only player that comes to mind when you think about, you know, elevating their level, my time covering the Dolphins, Jalen Phillips was very much the same way, where he had a weird COVID year, so everyone was had a weird COVID year, but kind of the same thing where he's the leader in the locker room, and I think this is his third season playing, and so I think it just speaks to what these guys are able to do, and also just as we bring things full circle it just speaks to the level of respect that everybody has for one another in the locker room where it doesn't matter if you're coming off of an ACL injury and you're adding value to the wide receiver room or if it's you're barely 22 and you're the best playmaker on the team. I think cow the Cowboys are so starved for a Super Bowl. It's been so long since they've achieved that accomplishment. I mean, shoot, just playoffs in general that they are under the notion of whatever works. Mm. And this is the first time that I've really seen – a roster where every single player has bought into that. And as a result, you get guys like Micah who, you know, some of these veteran players are going, we're going to lean on that. We're going to listen to that because he knows what he's doing. And ultimately, like, his track record, his stats, what he's done, what he brings to the locker room, so far it hasn't told us any different. So I just think it, it speaks to the respect and the level of which these guys want to win. This team feels special to me. And 
the their rookie season was a special year. The way these guys rallied behind each other, the way they support each other, because it was tricky. I mean, if you'd been around here covering, I mean, this was Tony Romo's team, mm-hmm. and it like there was a disconnect in the locker room uh, when Tony was here. And I know some people hate hearing that, but it's true. The way that Dak leads this team, the way that he led it when he was injured, the way these guys have stepped up uh, during injury, the fact that we're hearing that Tyron Smith is likely going to move back to left tackle and you've got Tyler Smith moving to left guard. I don't want to jinx them, but it feels like things are clicking into the place at the right time. Right so time. like I said, you add an OBJ, this could be special. I just hope we don't see what we saw like we did last year where they get demoralized, they sort of get high. You're like, oh, look at this team, look what they're capable of doing, and they sort of come back down to earth. Let's hope that, to Dak's point when he talks about the callousness, uh, that they've learned from all of that. Fun fact before we wrap this up, Micah Parsons has not had a sack against the Giants yet, which I find I do remember that. Fascinating. We talked about that when they were playing the first time around. I find that fascinating, too. He's never got to Daniel Jones, but I guess that speaks to the level of escapability that Jones has. Mm. But but guess who's probably going to like be circling this matchup as a result? <laughs> he's one of those guys that uh, he sets personal goals for himself, and i got to think that that's one of them because – uh, I, I just I found that that interesting. But even if he doesn't get the sack, that means a lot of guys are doing stuff around him. And that's a good thing. Uh, do you have a pass interference for us? I do. And I'm going to hit you all with a little bit of dose of positivity. So that way we can end this on a positive note, positive vibes for a Cowboys win. The last time the New York Giants won a Thanksgiving game. Any guesses to what year that was? You know the answer, so you don't get to answer. I do too, so I don't. Okay, me too. Shane. (laughs) All right. Well, you're fully immersed in this stuff. Followers, any guesses? Anybody? Well, 1982, y'all. 1982. That's the last time the Giants won Thanksgiving. Was it 92? 82. 82. I thought it was 92, and then they went went on to win the Super Bowl. Cowboys. I could be wrong. Now we're all questioning. Now we're so all questioning it. Either way, look, y'all, that's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the Cowboys, they sort of talked about it today. They'd won their last, they'd lost their last three uh, on Thanksgiving, and they tried to assign that to Mike McCarthy. I was like, wait a minute, Jason Garrett was coached for one of those. So uh, it's mm. been a rough one. What was it? The, was it the Colt McCoy? Bye. That I was, was Colt, I remember sitting that my was a Colt, house. Colt McCoy Commanders <laughs> game. It's it's been a rough one. Rough one. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving just be exhausting. Then the I Raiders don't want to auto correct her on air. She could no, be it's okay. Yeah, right. No, what was eighty two? What was the question? The last time the Giants won a Thanksgiving Day oh, game. Oh, never mind. I thought you said the last time oh, the Cowboys Giants oh, played. No, no, that no, was no, no. Yeah, yeah. The that was last my bad. time the Cow- the Giants won a Thanksgiving Day game. Oh, there you go. That's a long okay. time ago. Well, then, yeah. See, here I am. I was, you, right. no, I was okay. thinking the Dallas. I was thinking the last time they played and the Cowboys won was 92 and they won a Super Bowl. So there's another little fun pass there we appearance go. for you. Two for one. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Like I said, no show tomorrow, but we will be back hopefully talking about a victory Monday. Uh, We appreciate you guys tuning in and I hope you get plenty of time with your families and turkey and all the stuffing. We'll see you next time. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?